Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of the American Shoreline Podcast. My name is Peter Ravel. I'm the co-host. And I'm the other co-host, Tyler Buckingham. What a show today. We are very honored and privileged to have as a guest today on the American Shoreline Podcast, the director of the National Hurricane Center, Ken Graham. Ken, thank you for taking time out of, I know, a pretty busy schedule to talk to us. Oh, just uh, happy to be able to do it. Anytime talking about hurricanes, yeah, I definitely like to talk about the subject. Well, there's a lot to it, of course, and uh, I know people all around the country were captivated by the hurricane season this year. Uh, what I wanted to start with was really uh, to remind our listeners around the country about the fantastic work that our government public service people do at the National Hurricane Center. Uh Director Graham, can you tell us when did you assume command of the Nat- National Hurricane Center, and uh, where from where did you hail? Yeah, I've been on the job for about eight months still, so still uh, growing into the position. But before that, dealing with hurricanes for for a lot of years. So April first was my first day on the job at the Hurricane Center. But before that, the last ten years uh, spent in charge of the New Orleans forecast office, where we had uh, you know hurricanes, but not just that, we had severe weather, we had a lot of marine issues, um, you know, very heavily involved with the, the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico uh, as well. So 10 years in New Orleans and then taking on this position. So it's all been about uh, hurricanes for, for a lot of years and really was interested in hurricanes since I was about uh, six and seven years old, basically, and trying to figure out uh, why we were evacuated for floodwaters and being able to use an encyclopedia to track that down to hurricanes, it piqued my interest at a pretty young age. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Director Graham, it's always interesting. One of, one of the questions we always ask everybody on this show is what events uh, or early childhood experiences kind of led to uh, our careers in working on the American shoreline, and in your case, working in uh, just perhaps one of the most important and uh, prescient issues hurricanes um, in on the American shoreline, just especially coming off of this season. Sir, you have had one hell of an opening season. It seems like it was, uh, tell us about that. What, what was it like stepping into the, into the role with, with an active uh, Atlantic season? Yeah, it started early, you know, getting the job uh, April 1st. It's interesting when you when you talk about hurricane seasons, it's, you know, for us, it's year year round. So it's, you know, you have, of course, when the hurricanes occur. Um, but for us, it's preparedness. It's, it's ahead of time. You know, it's all year. We're teaching classes. We're teaching uh, uh, courses to emergency managers. And, and they're our core partner out there. Just, they do a fabulous job with these hurricanes uh, behind the scenes. And um, so it, it started with uh, the outreach. I was on the road for about a month and a half after getting the job. So, and, and then, you know, kicking things off here uh, really wasn't in the building till uh, the end of May and into early June. So at that point, you know, we had our early start to the hurricane season in, in the Gulf before the season even started. And then to have, uh, you know, Hurricane Florence, Hurricane Michael, some significant, um, you know, historical uh, type storms. Yeah, just definitely a busy season. So it, yeah, hitting the ground running, um, you know, but uh, glad to spend most of my weather service career the last 24 years, uh, you know, mostly along the uh, the coastline. So a lot of experience with the hurricane. So that, that really helped me out this season. Indeed. A little time in Texas, I understand, way back in the day at Corpus Christi, uh, National Weather Service at uh, the New Orleans office. Uh, 
People in Texas have, well, I would say around the country, have an intimate relationship that is pretty unique with their weather people. Uh, we count on the professionals out there, especially in times of crisis, to tell us what the heck is going on and what to expect and how to be safe. Uh, what is it like to sit in the director's chair and to have to be the face uh, of communication for people whose lives and property are at risk uh, six months of the year, essentially. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at that because it's it's one of these things that you know the forecast is is getting better and better. I mean, from the modeling to you know techniques that we use to take the models, blend them together to to come up with a forecast is still a human forecast that's. That, that that really is winning out here, and it and it's it's it, so you can have a perfect forecast, and at the same time, you know, you still have to be able to communicate those impacts, and we're doing better with communicating those impacts. Brand new products from the mm-hmm. Hurricane Center, time of arrival of the tropical storm force winds. That's a brand new product that that is just a just an, an incredible tool for emergency managers and others to use to see when those tropical storm force winds will arrive. And that basically means that, that preparedness needs to be complete by that point because it becomes too dangerous to be outside. Yeah. We have a, another one that we tested, too, and it's, it's incredible, the potential tropical cyclone product that for the first time in, in our history, we can actually put out uh, the, the, the forecast for a, for a hurricane or a tropical storm before it even gets a name. So that's a, that's a big one. So for me, being able to take these new tools um, and, and to be on the front lines to be able to communicate that, it, it, it's everything. Because even a perfect forecast, unless it's communicated to some sort of impact that's actionable, that's what really completes the, the entire process here. So it's um, it, it's one of these things that we, we take serious. And I, I just just a quick analogy here. It, it you know it's interesting coming from a, a weather forecast office in New Orleans that. Of course, if we were threatened in New Orleans, you feel that impact. You're right there in, in the community. But if it didn't go there, we weren't necessarily directly involved here. Mm-hmm. Um, without a doubt, any hurricane, any tropical storm, we're directly involved with every one of them. Right. National Hurricane Center located in Miami, Florida, in the, I would guess, prime target zone of uh, a lot of those Atlantic uh, hurricanes coming across the, across the Atlantic every year. Let's talk about tracking a little bit about the operations of the National Hurricane Center. It is an impressive organization, the assets, the resources, uh, the products that you guys put out. We've used them for years, of course, like millions of people around the world uh, who rely on the National Hurricane Center. Uh, But in the tracking process, there's two. uh, What I'm interested in is, is the current debate between hurricane tracking, which uh, we're all familiar with the the track estimates that are the model results and the cone of probability and all of that, how the storm is going to move. Uh, no doubt the Hurricane Center is outstanding in that regard. Watching Hurricane Florence come across the Atlantic, you guys were nailing its landfall days in advance. Um, but there's the tracks and then there is the hurricane strength, which seems to be the cutting edge now in hurricane forecasting, and really some of the more complex physics that's being investigated. I wonder if you could talk about it, about aerosols and water droplets, and trying to figure out how strong these these very dangerous events are going to be at landfall. It's got to be one of the more difficult. That would keep me up at night, Director, if I had to think about that every day. Yeah, the intensity part of the forecast is a lot tougher than 
uh, the tracks because, I mean, part of it is just incredible investments and scientific advancements and, and modeling advancements in, in the track. And, and you, you really look at the data and it's, it's interesting to see what, if you go back 20 years, what we used to be able to do in, you know, 24 hours out, now we can do, you know, four days out, which mm -hmm. is absolutely incredible science. So we're getting pretty good with the track. Right. Uh, you know, the, intent, the intensity is tough. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of physics that go into the intensity, uh, rapid intensification. There's still still a lot of growth that's needed there with the science. But it, it's, it's really looking at the environment. I mean, how, how the, the environment's modeled or all the ocean parameters getting in there. And the other part that's tricky, too, when we calculate shear, yeah. um, you know, th things that that might uh, be not as conducive for hurricane development. And, and, and it matters a lot how big we measure that shear, how much. Mm. How much of an area are we measuring that shear getting into the models versus right around that hurricane? So there's wow. these parameters, not not necessarily just uh, atmosphere and ocean, but e even looking at the scale of some of those measurements, it becomes incredibly complicated. The American Shoreline Podcast Network, brought to you by TI Coastal Services of Wilmington, North Carolina. Beautiful Wilmington, North Carolina. Fabulous part of the American Shoreline. Uh, Chris Gibson leads that firm. Very great, very good coastal engineering firm for all of you local communities along the southeast coast of the United States. Port operators, marinas, dredging, they do it all. Great professionals, Tyler. TICoastalservices.com. TICoastalservices.com for more information. Uh, they're just a great company. And, uh, when you're looking at when you're looking at that scale of say shear or the zone that of information that you're taking into account in making a track or strength uh, intensity forecast uh, how wide are you going are you taking the you know the atlantic ocean is it that big what is the zone of uh of weather forces that you're accounting for in in, in your estimation of uh, these storms yeah there's there's different models and when we talk about our global models there really are taking you know, large areas, but we also have some specific models that take an environment right around that hurricane, and, and there we could get some more specifics. It, it's pretty interesting, but I, I do want to make the point that, that it's really important because we see this every single hurricane. We get into debates um, on the different models, and, and people start looking at them. They start picking their favorite, and to be honest, sometimes I, I've seen situations that people pick their favorite model even based on their personality type. Are they, you know, are they, are they one that... Are, you know, they're picking the model that the one that comes to them or the one they're going to pick the one that uh, they're positive and trying to pick the one that's not coming to them. So right. I, I did want to talk about the technique that we use here. Please so we're not, we're not necessarily looking at a couple models and a couple lines. So within each one of those models, there's an ensemble. So there's pluses and minuses, left, right, faster, slower, um, stronger, weaker. All these different ensembles go into those models. So we're literally looking at, you know, 40, 50 plus parameters. And, and mm -hmm. what we can do is blend those to come up with um, a forecast. And, it, and we've shown it again. When you look at Florence, look at the models move around a little bit, but the consistency really matters. It's taking that blend and having a National Hurricane Center forecast and not not having that forecast jump around any because that lends to confusion. Absolutely. And that is that spaghetti tracks picture we're all used to seeing if you've gone to the site or people see it on TV all the time. And the cone of probability, I think that all works very well as a member of the general public. I can tell you, I, under, I can follow what you do there. And there's the proliferation of, uh, of tracks that you guys evaluate to figure out what is the most likely uh, specific direction of these storms. I, I, 
are you pretty happy with your track forecasting capacity right now? Have we have we made the right investments to to uh, make that system as good as we can get? I mean, it's, I guess it's always improving. But what do you think about your your assets available to handle that particular problem? Yeah, I think I think without a doubt we're getting better with that, and I, I think the the interesting point to make here is, of course, we can always get better. But but here's here's the catch twenty two. I want to bring this up because we we have to have these conversations. So if you look at the cone, the cone is simply a cone of error. It's it's an average based on our errors associated with that track over the mm -hmm. last five years. Okay. In other words, the better we do, the smaller the cone. And if we have a few off years, I mean, the cone could get better and you know bigger in theory too. So mm -hmm. we have a situation that the better we do, the smaller the cone. Okay. Yeah. So two thirds of the time, we expect the hurricane to be within that cone. One third of the time outside the cone. Wow. Interesting enough. So. That's what the cone means. Okay. However, the better we do, the smaller the cone. That means more people outside the cone are, are, are in those impact areas. So right. that's a conversation we have to have because if you're following the cone thinking that that's the area with the most impacts, that is not the case. That's just where we expect the center to be based on an average over the last five years. You know, Director, I think that's really important because one of the things that I've noticed over the past few years is how shareable uh, – your products are your graphic products in particular are on social media and um you know it can be a little confusing when you're scrolling through your feed and between you know a picture of some guy eating a hot dog at a baseball game or something and, and a baby uh you see this you know this storm track uh can you talk a little bit about how i mean, I mean obviously educating the public and how to use your products is just as important as developing the products themselves Talk a little bit about how uh, you are uh, working on that and, you know, a little bit about that process from the National Hurricane Center's perspective. Yeah, that's the earlier on in the, the podcast here. We talked about, you know, hurricane season for us is year long. And it is when you look at the preparedness part of this. But, yeah, we're constantly teaching classes where and our weather forecast offices are working with the, the local communities. And I, I can't stress how much. Our partners in emergency management—they're—they're—they're they're, they're an amazing group, so dedicated to the safety of the public. So we—we want to feed them the science to make those those big decisions. So there is an education process. What do the products mean? What do they don't mean? And and talking about probabilities in some of these products isn't an easy thing to teach. I mean, yeah. probabilities <laughs> often mean something different to different people, and, and that's what we we also have to look at. But the other part of it is 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 teaching about. It's not necessarily just about those products. It's like so this is a forecast. This is what we think is going to happen. It's also talking about what those impacts are and fully understanding things like storm surge. If you go back in time and look at storm surge, half of fatalities in tropical systems yeah. occur from the storm surge. And another quarter or so occur from the inland rain. It could be hundreds of miles inland. By the way, it could be you know hundreds of miles away from the cone. So if you take that plus the offshore, 90 percent of fatalities in tropical systems is water. Yet everybody watching this this podcast, I, I, you can't always say everybody. The majority of everybody watching this, when they close their eyes and think about a hurricane, I bet most of you are going to see the wind. We, we need to have these conversations on the off season about the dangers of water, because if you look at that, the majority of the fatalities does they, they do involve water. Indeed, and I, I think it's an, a great segue into one of the soggy the soggy storm hurricane Florence that came ashore in Wilmington. Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, on September 
I guess it was uh, the, about the 10th of September. Uh, big, sloppy storm, very, very high water uh, rainfall totals in excess of, what, 30 inches, well inland from the coast. Uh, talk to us about, about the season uh, and about Hurricane Florence, the first big storm to hit the American shoreline this year. Yeah, this season is a is a true testimony on on the I guess it's a cliche or maybe a bumper sticker that you hear from me and, and everybody here all the time is every storm is different. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you look at Florence, you know, size and speed has so much to do with, with those impacts and, and forecasting. You know, you know, you look at Harvey last year with a stall and slow right. movement, all the rainfall. Uh, and you, you look at Florence that. You know that 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 weakened slightly in the sense of only the winds. Yeah. However, got larger. And, and and if you go back, we we take those changes into account with the forecast. Our impact forecast didn't change a single bit, despite those changes in, in the actual wind speed. If you if you really go back and look at Florence, so that slow movement, that large storm that often brings uh, you know additional storm surge and it brings a lot of rain. So and it goes back to this. The whole impact part of this that in that case, um, you know, how do we communicate um, those impacts? We talk about uh, the storm surge, we, you know, predictions four days ahead of time, very accurately what those storm surge values would be. And it's interesting, five days ahead of time, uh, the Weather Prediction Center at, in College Park, uh, part of the Weather Service and, and, you know, a dedicated group looking at the precipitation, five days ahead of time came up with those values almost spot on. Uh, and then it becomes, well, here's what we, we, we predict when it comes to the storm surge. Here's what we can predict when it comes to the rain. Then we got to really concentrate on the impacts. And, and, and they're all so different, right? I mean, you know, yeah. the, the slower and larger, the more rain you're going to get. And, and now you have the, the challenge of trying to talk about it's not just a coastal event, right? So right. Now, now it's, 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 it's when it's moving that slow, you're going to get um, heavy rain well inland. And some of your rivers are going to flood. And now we're talking to talking about preparedness. We're talking about getting people ready well inland, and that that could become challenging at times as well. No doubt. It's uh, I think the what we observed, and I think I'm sure you guys spend a lot of time thinking about how the public responds to the information that you're providing uh, through the Hurricane Center and through the national news media. Uh, Hurricane Florence was a Category 4 storm in the middle Atlantic on September 10th. It hits as a Category 1. Uh, we've interviewed several people in the Florence area since the hurricane to talk about the experience. There was a relaxing that happens there the, uh, along the coast. Folks are like, well, it's a 1, less worried. Gee, do we really need to leave? That starts to creep in. But I think, uh, obviously, that is not <laughs> that's not the case, that the danger, the speed, the water vapor, the, I mean, the, the rainfall totals, the surge, all of that is is still in play. Even when the winds die down, you can't relax. Yeah, I think I think what everybody has to remember is, is this. The impacts are independent of the category. In, in other words, you know, we and, and actually independent of even being a hurricane in some cases, we've seen Tropical Storm Allison in Texas and Louisiana produce just incredible amounts of flooding rains. Um, Hurricane Isaac, and you, you, you go back, you know, not too far away, a category one, but produced a 12 foot storm surge. So 
you know, it, it really isn't about that category. It, it really, in some cases, doesn't even have to have a name to have the flooding. If it's, if it's just a tropical low, you could still get feet of rain. So it is so critical that, that we all spend so much time talking about what those impacts are and what that's going to do on the ground. Because, you know, if we start comparing storms, you know, you, you look back and, well, I've been through a storm, at, 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 you know, at this category before. This is what it happened before and try to think that's going to be the case the next time that it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. It, it truly is about those impacts and every single storm is, is completely different. I think that's where we have to spend so much time. Here's another point real quick to think about. There, there's a different mentality when, when you're going from a, a four to a two in, in some cases where people are like, Oh, you know, it, it's down to a two. But if you came, went from a one to a two or a tropical storm for a two, then you think, whoa, it's a two. Isn't that interesting? So there's a different response depending on whether you're coming up or coming down on the scale as well. So the real takeaway here is just we spend a lot of time in, in the education arena talking about we have to concentrate on those impacts. Every single one of them are different. And listen, you could be seven or eight miles away from one of those rain bands and, and you're, you're going to you're going to leave either wow that hurricane was, was bad or you're going to leave that wasn't that bad so there's the quotes yeah. that we always hear that you know i you know i man this was bad i, I should have left but there's also other people that say that wasn't that bad i shouldn't have left so that's the trickiness of the social science aspect of what we do it, it's, it's it's pretty complicated totally and and you know one on the on the same token of the the downgrade of florence I, I noticed that Michael spun up so quick and it was on the heels of Florence, you know, and Florence was this slow kind of meandering thing. And, you know, <clears throat> anybody who's consuming uh, the news media would, would have caught a whole lot of the, the uh, Florence, you know, coverage, coverage before, the, before impact. Michael seemed to happen so darn fast. And uh, it, I do. I got the idea that there was almost a fatigue uh, on behalf of the broader, you know, national news audience to hear about it. And you know, obviously, if you see yourself in that tracking model or adjacent to it, might have gotten your attention. Hopefully, it got your attention. But uh, it is a challenge to maintain. You know, it's a long season, and uh, the fact is that a, a big, powerful storm. Uh, that has a, a high uh, rating, high winds uh, can produce less damage than a smaller storm. And we they, can, they all deserve our attention. We have to be humble when we're talking about these powerful weather systems. Yeah, you'll, you, you compare the two. You know, we always talk about comparing the two when it comes to category and, and speed. Here, here's another comparison that, that we need to talk about, how they could be so different. You know, Florence track almost across the entire Atlantic. Yeah. So there, there's so much time to, to, to see Florence coming. You know, you, you, you're, you're witnessing it. You're watching the evolution. You're, you're thinking about where it's going to hit. There's a lot of time. You know, you start getting a lot of times at the beginning of the season and you start getting into October, the end of the season, you know, we, we get hurricanes forming in different places. And one of the places is, is where Michael formed. And, and, and by default, with a, with a situation like, like Michael, there's just not a lot of gulf to travel before yeah. you start having some sort of impact, whether it's where we're in the panhandle of Florida or other locations. If this went further west, uh, Mobile, New Orleans, or further east, uh, Tampa, any one of those locations, the timeline's really short. 
because yeah. not only the speed, but there's just not a lot of distance to get ready. And, mm-hmm. and you're right that that is uh, that is challenging uh, when that happens. And and that's where that the product that I mentioned before that it, it's it it doesn't sound like much, but it's a big deal. The potential tropical cyclone product is a big deal for us because you know for the first time ever uh, last season, this season, we're able to issue our forecast and and, and really look at watches before we even have a name. And and what that does is it, it it's our attempt to give another 18 to 24 hours or so yeah. notice on, on where this is going. So again, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but 18 to 24 hours on a, on a fast system like Michael, we need all we can get. This program is also brought to you by Dune Doctors of Pensacola, Florida. Dune Doctors is a coastal dune restoration uh, consulting firm. Uh, just absolutely great at what they do. Frederic Barrasset, the founder of that company, uh, has spent a career studying and uh, rehabilitating dune systems uh, all across uh, the Gulf Coast of the United States, the Southeast, Florida. Uh, they are absolutely great at what they do, Peter. Uh, what do you have to add about Dune Doctors? Well, Dune Doctor, 17 years in service, hub vendor for all you folks putting together bid packages. Uh, Frederic Barrasset, a true professional. They can take you from concept, design, permitting, and construction, native dune plant installation, and they also are working on shoreline stabilization. DuneDoctors.com, Pensacola, Florida. Reach out to them when you're looking to make your shoreline better. DuneDoctors.com. Yeah. Well, it was interesting to watch uh, Florence. You're quite right. It started, according to the information, it started in, in late August, very beginning of September, off the Cape Verde Islands, all the way across the Atlantic, watched every single step of the way by the National Hurricane Center and the national media. Lots of preparation. Uh, Michael, lightning fast and very intense, uh, Called, I guess you guys had branded it kind of the worst case scenario for the Florida Panhandle because of the speed and the incredible intensity and rapid intensification of that hurricane. Um, I was on the Twitter feed for the National Hurricane Center before landfall on October 8th and 9th in there and looking at the forecasters talking about in the middle of the night, this hurricane had really ramped up uh, overnight. And really dreading the fact that this is going to hit, and there wasn't a lot of time to get out of the way on that one. They they couldn't be more different, Hurricane Michael and Florence. Yeah, totally different. Not a lot of time, and that that goes back to my earlier comments about this whole community of emergency managers, first responders, the the federal, state, and local level. I mean, the briefings behind the scenes. They did such an outstanding job get, getting ready for something so quick. I mean, if you think about it. It, it's a big difference having to get ready for something that's seven days out versus, yeah. you know, a day and a half, two days out. That's a big difference. So a testimony to, to all the hard work there. But, yeah, it's it's one of these things that, you know, we have a preconceived notion that you're going to have tons of, of notice. It, it's still based on geography. It's based right. on the science. But if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Right. Um, and if it develops and it's fast, there's not a lot of real estate. In this case, real estate is in the Gulf. Right. Um, yeah, that that's why the preparedness has to start. Um, so early. That's why the preparedness has to be ramped up pretty quickly, uh, because not all of them, you know, not all these hurricanes are going to give us a ton of notice. No, that was a 72-hour storm that reached Cat, 5, Cat 4 at 155 miles, hitting the Panhandle there. 
uh, Hurricane Michael. I understand that the, the Hurricane Center is still evaluating that storm. Is it possible that that was a Cat 5, or have you guys gotten through that process yet? Yeah, we evaluate every one of them, right? We do such a detailed analysis after every season. We do uh, post-storm reports on every single system, whether it ever developed or not. We, we really you know, dig into the data. So, yeah, we'll be digging at that data. It's going to take a while to evaluate everything because if you think about it, it's it's satellite, it's sensors, it's the, the information from the aircraft. There's so much information to comb through. And, uh, yeah, we, we do an analysis of that. So it's going to take a little time to get through all that data. Hmm. Uh, Director Graham, I, I of course, uh, want to just give a quick mention that the Pacific season was, uh, I think, historic as well in terms of its activity. And um, I don't know if you have anything you'd like to add on that, but I, I also I want to kind of pivot the conversation a little bit to uh, talking about the off season and uh, you know what what you're working on, what you're leading. Uh, the National Hurricane Center to improve on this off season and preparation for next season. So yeah, starting off with the Pacific, you know, it, you know, doing this for a lot of years, you know, I've seen where the Pacific's active, active, and maybe the Atlantic isn't. I've seen where the, you know, the opposite occurs. You know, so it's it's usually an opposite effect. One or the other is pretty active. To, to go through uh, 2018 with both basins, the Pacific and the Atlantic, that busy. You know, without a doubt, you get pretty stretched thin. So there was a lot of simultaneous storms. And if you go back to Florence and really look at the data, we, we were dealing with four different named uh, systems at that time. So definitely, uh, you know, very active when it comes to, to both both of those seasons. And and the off season, you know, I keep mentioning how busy it is. It really is doing that training. But here's yeah. here's what we, we're trying to link up to. We're really trying to spend more time on that social science because. Look, we, we have more room to grow with the intensity, and we have more to learn in the science when it comes to the rapid intensification, without a doubt. Um, we're getting a lot better with the track. We, we have to, even a perfect forecast, if it's not understood by the public, we don't, we don't necessarily um, maybe get the response that we want. So we're going to spend more time looking at our products. And, and what I mean by that is we're, we're enlisting social scientists to help us. Um, the storm surge watch and warning. Remember, that was a leading cause of death uh, when it comes to tropical systems. Right. And also the, the inundation mapping that, that was so pronounced this, this year that, that people saw, yeah. all that was developed, not just by the physical scientists, the meteorologists, but they had social scientists right with them. Every color, every line, every word was, was um, developed with social scientists in mind. So our goal, something that we're going to be working on, uh, we're going to start with the cone. Is, is the cone understood? Um, is there a better way to look at the cone? As we go from a five-day forecast, we'd like to get to seven days. Do we really want a seven-day cone? I don't have the answer to that as, yeah. as a meteorologist. So one of the steps is we have social scientists going to help us, and we're going to start with the cone. And I think we're going to really spend some time looking at our other products um, as well because I would love to see everything that we do uh, very easily understood. And it's not easy to talk about probabilistic products, right? No. If you talk about a 40% chance of rain, I think most people have somewhat an idea what that is. Um, but if I say there's a 10% chance of of, a, of maybe a 10-foot storm surge, that doesn't seem like very high, but it is. That's a very high number, a very high probability mm. for something that's deadly. Does that make sense? So it, even it the, the probabilities themselves, it's tricky business. We're going to spend time on that. Well, I think the social science aspect gets to the communication issue. I mean, 
do you feel, I mean, the National Hurricane Center is dependent to a great extent on the media to help reach the American public. And these are institutions that are obviously not under the control of the government. I mean, what happens when the major media turns its attention to Khloe Kardashian or international trade and you guys are saying, listen, there's, we're seven days out here. Uh, this is a major event. We need your attention. How do you, what is your relationship with the media and how do you contend with the fact that you're dependent on them to some extent to reach the, the American people? It's, it's interesting behind the scenes that, that when you, you know, you talk about the, you know, the meteorologists and others at the, the stations, really, we're on the same page. We have something behind the scenes that our office is called an integrated warning team, an IWT. Uh, we're, we're constantly meeting with the, the media, with emergency managers, talking about communication. I mean, it's not, these aren't science meetings. These are literally meetings to talk about the communication. And, you know, whether it's a forecast office or us here at the Hurricane Center, we have, we have such a great relationship with the media, and we fully recognize that, that, that we can't do it without our media partners. And let's let's look back at Florence and Michael about getting the information out, talking about those impacts and having those repeated, um, you know, with the media and having that, you know, doing something like this in the podcast and doing that while a hurricane's approaching. It's critical because we can talk about, um, you know, talk about, uh, you know, those impacts and talk about what we really need to focus as those key messages. And, and that's another product that we're putting out. The key message product is it's just an attempt to really focus us on, on the on the most important things that can hurt people. But I, I really do want to make the statement. We can't do it without our partners in emergency management, also the media. And, and I and I do want to publicly say that I, I just want to thank the media so much during this hurricane season, because together, I think we were really keying in on some of those messages associated with those impacts. And I think we did a, a, you know, a great job um, getting that message out. It is literally uh, one team in the heat of the battle when it comes to media and the emergency managers when it comes to these hurricanes. Now, like what you asked, you know, seven days out, you start competing with a lot of things. But as we, we get closer and closer, I think that uh, those media stories gets more frequent as we get closer. Yes, I believe that's the case. I agree. And, uh, Director Graham, I, I <clears throat> want to thank you. I know that you're you're you got to run. You've got a very busy schedule. Uh, just you know, we we would love to have you on the show again. One of the things that we can do as a podcast on Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network is we can help tell your story uh, in the off season when there isn't a storm brewing. And um, you know, our audience, I like to say that it's divided into three broad categories. We have Coastal professionals, uh, public accountables, people who work for the government and our, our local, state, federal government. And then we have coastal stakeholders like property owners, people who really need to hear what you guys are working on and know how to use your products, know how to interface with the information that you guys are putting out. So uh, I would just extend the invitation for uh, future visits on this show. I know Peter and I would be honored uh, to continue this conversation, uh, perhaps in a little bit more depth, because um, I know you guys are just working on so many cool things. We didn't even get to talk about the airplanes, which was, <laughs> I was really excited to talk about your aircraft flying through the storm. But <clears throat> yeah, it's it's just great having you on. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, let, I'll definitely let's let's do this again. Let's talk about the aircraft. Let's talk about the the international component because we we provide all the guidance and suggestions for watches and warnings throughout the the you know the Caribbean and also um, Central America. 
um, and, and the meetings to talk about the hurricane names. I think we've got a lot of topics in the future. There's a lot to learn and a lot to know. And I, I, I just want to thank you and all the folks who work at the National Hurricane Center for the, uh, the commitment and the professionalism and the work that you guys do. And uh, taxpayers of the United States need to know if you want to know where your money goes and how good it's spent, look at the National Hurricane Center, also the National Data Buoy Center, all of the NOAA uh, professionals who, who work their butts off to keep the United States uh, in safe and informed. Uh, it's a great job. Uh, Director Graham, thank you very much for the time and joining us on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. We, you're welcome back or any of your staff at any time that we can be helpful to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.